Here we go. Welcome to the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. This is a podcast that will grow in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years and we'll have commentary and news but we're kicking off with some interviews and none better I think than today's which is with an old friend of mine Riccardo Bonaiti henceforth to be known as the Buddha of Bergamo. He's a class act on the bike. As you'll hear in the interview I've been known to be clinging on for dear life struggling up a hill and he will come just whistling past me and when I say whistling I mean literally whistling a merry tune. Since his cycling days he's evolved into something of a guru, a mindfulness and meditation expert while still carrying on with his riding. He has many tales to tell and he really does make a great listen. If you like it then please subscribe to the podcast and find us on social media much more on that later in the episode. And now just sit back or carry on running or riding and enjoy my chat with Riccardo Bonaiti. Just before we go to the interview, uh, I've had a call come in, a rather concerning call from a Mr Ron Turning, I believe. Hello? Yes, Ron here, Ron Turning. Now listen, I've heard you're setting up one of these podcast things for runners and cyclists and that. Well, I ain't having it. I've had enough of you runners going up and down the kerb, swerving in and out, holding me up. Takes me 15 minutes to drive into work. It used to take me five because of you lot. And you bloody disgust me. You're snorting your snot out. You don't even use handkerchiefs. Don't you know there's a flipping pandemic on? I'll tell you what, my blood is boiling over. I'm going to put the phone down because I'm fed up with it. My blood is boiling over about you bloody runners. Here, love, pass the fags. So here I am with Ricardo and we're here in Arbury Park, or actually it's Orchard Park because uh, Arbury was obviously too rough an area to keep its name and give its name to this lovely suburban dwelling that we're in. But it's very different from where you came from, Ricardo, where you grew up, isn't it? Where, where was that? Yes, uh, well I grew up... Um near, um, between Bergamo and Lecco, let's say, next to uh, Lake Como, okay. uh, in what we could call the pre-Alps. So, yeah, completely different to Cambridge itself. Here is completely flat and there you've got hills, you've got mountains and, uh, and all that. Yes, completely different in that, in that sense. Also, the, the town itself, I grew up in a very small village, 1,000 or so, Inhabitants, yeah. Cambridge, I don't know how many, but definitely. Yeah, a lot more than that, probably 70,000. And we're talking Italy, of course, just in case people don't realise that Lake Cornwall is in Italy, but a very beautiful part of the world, nevertheless. And when did you first arrive in Cambridge then? How many years ago was that? Oh, um, so it was 1999 when I decided to come to Cambridge, to live in Cambridge. So you've been here over 20 years? Over 20 years. So, so why is it that you sound like you just got off the plane yesterday then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I kind of actually learned this language ever. Uh, I tried hard, I really tried hard at the very beginning and then I kind of gave up and uh, this is actually my 
<laughs> my trademark uh, accent which I love in a way yeah we all love it we all love it and of course you brought your bicycle with you I did um, not straight away my sister came with it uh, three months or four months after uh, I really missed it at the beginning and I told my sister that she really had to, yeah. to do that and um, yeah and I had my bike ever since because when you were in Italy you were quite a serious cyclist really oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it was, I took that direction, say, that was actually bringing onto the, 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 the professional um, scene, uh, let's call it. Yeah. yeah, you're in a structured team. I was in a structured team. With yeah. some people who then went on to do Giro d'Italia and other famous the races. France and, and, and all that, yeah. yeah. And I did, I did a few international uh, races myself back then. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So can you talk to us a bit about what it was like being in a team, what that involved in terms of the structure of the team, maybe, do you think, it, was it like uh, Team Ineos is now, do you think, or a mini version of that? Uh, yes, I don't have any doubts in say that that was actually the case. Uh, very serious, very structured. Uh, there was nothing else but cycling back then. Which, when I think about that now, and I see, uh, I know a few, a few, um, a few people of my age back then, mm. and I can, I can see what a big difference in terms of how everything was just so, um, so structured around us becoming a professional in what we were actually doing. It was all so serious from what we were eating to the uh, amount of uh, kilometers uh, that we had to do per week, per day, per month, uh, racing and all that. There was nothing but cycling. And of course you had a team doctor as well. Team doctor. And uh, we're talking about, uh, I was 18 when, when I then, uh, yeah. my last year college. Right, right, so young, yeah. And did you ever get any injections that you weren't sure what was in there? Um, no, I don't think so. Well, we, we, I, I had injections and I had injections and the injections were actually uh, done by my father. Okay. And were actually given by the, the, the team doctor and it was actually iron supplements. They made a big difference, I must say, but they were definitely, well, that is actually what, uh, what they were, what they were actually given. Um, so your dad had the pleasure of injecting you in the backside? Yeah, 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 and it was very painful, I can tell you that. Not because my father was not good at what he was doing, but just because the, the iron sup, uh, supplement back in the 80s, I think that had that effect, it was extremely painful. I remember that I had to walk 30 minutes to walk it off. Because oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. very painful. Um, Ouch. And that, I remember, I can't remember how many, how many, times during the year but uh, that that tells you how serious it was because we were used we used to do so much that the uh, iron level would actually just drop so quickly and we just had to mm. food was not enough we had to do uh, iron supplements uh, mm. by injection do you want to talk just very quickly about the type of training you did then so obviously this was before the era of power meters um, but you had mountains and I guess you had 
team cars, so you're probably doing motor pacing. Any other sort of training that you can particularly recommend or remember as being mm. effective? Mm. Or oh, plenty of uh, uh, behind the car, plenty of that, but really plenty. Uh, I remember to, to go out possibly on a, on a, on a long distance uh, training uh, session, perhaps 120, 130 kilometers, and then to do again 50 kilometers after that uh, behind the car. Um, or I remember, for example, uh, two cars, uh, one possibly 200 meters in front of the other, as being at the back of the, of the second car, and trying to catch the, 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 one, uh, the one at the front. But obviously going already at 50 kilometers per hour, is not, it, it was not that easy to, to sprint and go and catch the car at the front. Or, um, well, plenty of trainings up the mountains. Um, yeah, all these kind of things mm. really. Um, Can you give a rough idea maybe of the hours and kilometers in a week? Mm, you oh, yeah, at yeah. your maximum, saying the maximum yeah. period. Yeah, of course. Uh, I need to do a little calculation, but it's not that difficult to work it out. Uh, I guess that we would actually easily, easily do just in just we're talking about training here without talk, without considering uh, racing mm -hmm. uh, Sundays and sometimes even during the week. I would say four to five hundred kilometers per week. And yeah. you, you got to take into consideration that I was 17, 18. Uh, yeah, and those were not flat kilometres on a dual carriageway. Those were going up. Yeah. Although you, you do like dual carriageways, don't you? I think you miss the, um, the smooth road surfaces in Italy. So when you first got on a bike here in Cambridge, you told me uh, you ended up where you shouldn't one day. Can you tell that story? Yes, yes. I had just arrived in Cambridge. Uh, I think uh, I arrived in Cambridge on a Thursday, mm -hmm. and um, that Sunday, so three, four days after, I had a bike actually that a friend of mine left for me, and uh, I wanted to go and, and, and explore a little bit the area. Uh, and uh, I saw a sign for a new market. I didn't know uh, anything about Newmarket, but it sounded like a, a popular place, like a... <laughs> popular for horses, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yes, there, there well, I set off uh, towards Newmarket. I reached Newmarket, realizing that I had, uh, when I was there, realizing that I had uh, an appointment to go and see uh, a house where uh -huh. I was going then to live in Teversham, and mm -hmm. it was actually quite late. And uh, it was not it, back in 1999, no mobiles, no Google Maps, and no these kind of things. Uh, I saw a sign at Cambridge. Obviously, it was Cambridge, but most, like, most likely, definitely, there was also A14. And that, but <laughs> it was probably A45 in those days, I think. I don't know. Maybe it was A14. I, I think it was A14. Was it A14 already? I think it was yeah. A14. Yeah. And, uh, well, who knows? A14, A45, yeah. for me, it was actually exactly the same. So I took the A14 and well, it, it, it just, it was clear straight away that I was actually on a, on a kind of motorway, but yeah, I just carried on all the yeah. way to Cambridge. Well, we did use to time trial on those roads in the evenings even, back in the 90s, so uh, yeah, perhaps it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I don't think you want to do it on a Tuesday evening now. No, so, no, yeah. that would be too dangerous, I guess. Yeah, and uh, obviously we met in 2004, I think it was. Or maybe 2003? Uh, possibly 2003. Yeah, possibly and, I, 2003. and I remember 
I went out on my bike. I was living in Fenditton and I saw this Italian jersey ahead and uh, had to pedal quite hard to catch it. And uh, we started talking and realised that we actually have some areas in common. So where I used to go on with my parents is literally eight kilometres from where you yeah. live. Yeah. And a place you cycle through all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing small world there. And uh, we've cycled together on and off ever since, often on a Thursday when I had some free time on a Thursday. And uh, in all that time, I've probably fallen off 10, 15 times, but I've never known you come off a bike. So that says a lot. Can you tell us the secret of never falling off your bicycle? I don't know. I think there's no secret. I think, uh, I guess that I'm actually quite lucky. And uh, I guess that I'm very, 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 very careful as well. I know that sometimes it is not enough because it's not enough, uh, but I really don't take uh, much risks, and you know that uh, mm. I'm I'm not really. I've uh, seen I've seen you decapitate a poor rabbit and still yes. stay on still stay on the bike, and yes. uh, you've had me touch wheels with you, and you still stayed upright. I know. So. I know. Well, I think that I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it comes with the fact that, like for example, that day that I pushed. I pushed you home, eh? you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I think it comes a little bit that you, you gain that skill of uh, being able to, mm. to, to, to be on a bike, to, to, to feel the bike. To <laughs> yeah. I know that it is not enough all the time, but maybe it does actually make a little, uh, a small difference actually when... when <laughs> what about when you were racing? Did you have many falls? Not many, not mm. many. I think... I, I don't know, you know, you, you, you really never know what's going to happen next or what's going to happen tomorrow. But when I was in, 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 in the group, in, in, in a race, I kind of always felt where, where people were going to fall. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. And uh, I never had actually big ones. Mm. Never. Never been taken by an ambulance. And uh, that is actually quite rare for a cyclist. Yeah. It is quite rare. Um, I remember that I only had to stop once during a race because I felt actually most of the group actually felt that day and I was actually part of it and that's it the race was over for me but apart from that day I don't remember another time that during a race I had to 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 abandon because of the because Mm. of fall and did you used to wear a helmet in those days so back then we used to um, we used to wear um, what we used to call the Belgium uh, helmets, those uh, with stripes, like a net almost. Like yeah, a, you had possibly five, six stripes. Yes, yes, I know exactly what you mean with the gaps in between. That's correct. Yeah, that is actually what we used to wear. Um, that was that is actually what I wore the last two years. I I I I, I raced the same. And uh, but none none of us, not my not myself, uh, nor my teammates ever 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 wore an helmet during training during the week. We used to wear an, an helmet because it was compulsory because that mm. was actually the regulation. And that of course includes when you're racing down a mountain at ninety kilometers an hour or whatever. Never never seen a helmet on on a weekday back then. Yeah. And what would you say were your biggest strengths as a cyclist then? What aspect of cycling? Because mm. you're not the, you can leave me for dead on a hill, but in a time trial, not so much, no, eh? No, no. 
I think that my strength really was uh, uh, when uh, um, after I hit the 120-130 kilometers. There, there were not many people that could could stay. <laughs> there were not many people that could actually stay. The difficult bit was actually to reach uh, that point, that mark point, say, uh, still in the main, in the, in, in contention. In contention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's always been uh, um, my a strong point and my weak point as well because uh, uh, normally the, the races were actually decided a bit, early, a bit before that mm. and I did not have actually that, that same strength earlier on during the race but if I was still there um, when, when uh, after 120 or under, after 130 I was yeah, and did you have much freedom within the team, or did sometimes you have to work for a team leader? Not much freedom in 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 that team. No, not much freedom, and I understand why. We, we well, there was um, there was um, a rider that would um, kind of guarantee um, not a win, but a, a, a near win, nearly every week. And did so, he go on to be professional? Yeah, he went on to be, to be a professional. Yeah. And uh, a good one. He, he won a few races. Uh, yeah, a good one. Hmm. Cannot actually say that it was not a good one. Uh, for what he showed back then, people might... Yeah, I think that people would think that he would actually do uh, better than what he did. I think he won maybe 10, 15 races in total. Hmm. So this is Serpellini. Serpellini. And of course you used to race against Davide Rebellin. Yeah. 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 And he went on to win some classics, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. He won all the classes. Uh, all, no, he didn't he never won the, the, the Roubaix, but yeah, he won uh, most of the classics really. Yeah. And he's still riding. Still riding. As are you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's still competing. He's still yeah. it is amazing. I was actually reading the other day that he just signed for a for a team for next year. Yeah, is it a Cambodia or something? Cambodian like that? Yeah. team. Yeah. He is uh, well he's one year older than me, so he's forty nine. Well he's yeah. going to be fifty next year. Really? And he's still professional. Still professional. Amazing, amazing. So um you obviously you fell out of love with the racing to a degree or something made you stop. Um, but you never really fell out of love with the bicycle, did you? No, apart possibly the first year, year and a half after I quit. Uh, understandably, I believe I was, uh, uh, I was nauseated, as you say, mm -hmm. nauseated yeah. by, 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 by cycling, by the environment, by the people in it, by my bike, by everything. Mm. Um, but then after maybe a couple of years, uh, I, that love, that that attraction to to the freedom that you can mm. experience on your bike uh, was still there because I really used to love uh, going out uh, training with my teammates uh, mm. competition was a different was a different matter possibly because uh, you know at that age uh, I was not one of the best ones I was not there competing with the best ones uh, every every mm. uh, every weekend every Sunday every race uh, uh, I was there once in a while with the with the with the best ones, mm. and that you know when when you are seventeen, when you are eighteen, is not an easy thing to to deal with. I believe. Yeah. Um, 
But I used to love going out training with my when with my teammates. It was just you do like talking, don't you? You like talking on the bike, and I've known going up some hills. Obviously, not the same sort of hills that you have in uh, in the Alps. But uh, even going up Barrington, I remember chatting to you, and then suddenly you'll just start whistling away to yourself on um, at my absolute maximum. So I think climbing was uh, one of your talents as well. Mm-hmm. I think you certainly know how to change gear during mm-hmm. a climb. So that was good. But how have you enjoyed over the last 15, 20 years riding in the Cambridge area then? Do you like riding around here? Yes, I love it. From, the, from, from day one, uh, I just love the experience of new roads, new experience uh, in an in a, uh, in environment which was not the Italian environment in terms of mountains, in terms of uh, you know challenges in that sense, but the sense of... Uh, I don't know, I don't know, I was actually thinking about that Saturday morning when I went out in the rain and the fog and all that, the beauty of just hitting a, a secondary road here, just, just mm-hmm. around Cambridge and sensing, sensing that, that sense of unity with what is around you and mm-hmm. that sense of peace and that sense of, I don't know, that there's nothing missing there, there is nothing. Nothing, mm. nothing, nothing missing there, and uh, and uh, I do, I do treasure those moments, and I, I still, I'm still after those moments, and uh, that is actually what I believe makes me still go out. Yeah. If you if you had one of your former cycling colleagues come to ride with you in Cambridge, where would you take them? Mm. Oh, uh, I think down towards Saffron Walden. Yeah, that is an area that I like. I like uh, it's a bit hilly down there, yeah, and possibly all the way down to to Stansted. That was actually one of the rides that I used to like uh, very much. Yeah, yeah, I used to do actually that, very yeah. early in the morning mm. and uh, come back, start working at ten o'clock uh, here in Cambridge, yeah. um, or Royston Way as well. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can find some variety of terrain, can't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, quiet roads as well. Just if you go to uh, Bolsham, you already got yeah. a few hills up there. Yeah. Brinkley, Bolsham, um, yeah. I remember one year, um, I'm trying to remember how many years ago now, I rode out that way with you and then uh, I turned for home, but you went a bit further. In fact, you went all the way to Italy. Ah, yes. <laughs> so how many years ago was that now? That was, um, was it 2011 or 2012? Anyway, okay. yeah, eight or nine years ago now. Yes, uh, and that again, you know, it, it had nothing to do with racing, with competition, with anything. It was just that sense of adventure that cycling can really give uh, people uh, that sense of, you, you know, you're, you're, you're there yourself, your bike, the road, and uh, and you don't you don't know what's going to happen next, and there is that kind of excitement uh, yeah. coming from that that experience of you know hitting the road, hitting uh, crossing Europe on your bike. Yeah, because uh, this was a completely solo trip, wasn't it? it was. You took everything with you. Yeah. Um, I remember there was quite a lot stacked on the back of your bike. I remember it was took you a few days to get used to riding yes. it, didn't it? So yes. it so laden. Yes. And yet you did the 15, 1,600 kilometres? How far was it? Uh, it was um, uh, 1,300 kilometres. 
that I think it was the total distance. This is from home to home. From from here, this this very place uh, where we are recording this uh, this podcast uh, to my home in, um, in in Rossino near near Lake Como. Yeah, and uh, not many punctures, if I remember right. Two. Two punctures, that's, uh, yeah. Well, I had two brand new uh, tires mm. before I left. I made sure that I had two new ones. But yeah, two punctures. One in uh, uh, Baston, Liegi, Baston, Liegi. I remember one was actually in Baston, and the second one I don't remember. Uh, what, what else stands out uh, in your mind? I know you were welcomed by your family and you actually got featured in the local paper. In, in Italy, but what for you? For what's the strongest memory for you of that trip? Um, oh, there are many. There are many, and um, they all come. They, they kind of all come back like uh, like uh, little postcards, really. Um, well, there was actually a moment when I ended up on a motorway. To <laughs> I ended up on a motorway in in Germany. And I was escorted by the police uh, of the motorway. And uh, near, near, I can't remember, uh, Freiburg, possibly. Okay. I yeah. think it were near Freiburg. But you weren't fined. No, I wasn't fined. They were actually, they were very understanding. I said, look, the last thing I wanted was actually to end up on that. <laughs> I'm actually traveling to Italy and, uh, yeah. It was just a mistake. I just missed the turn. Or I don't know. I did not see the sign that I could not actually be there. Something happened, and uh, I really loved the afternoon I spent. Well, cycling every morning was actually beautiful. I had my routine: waking up very early in the morning and having my big breakfast because uh, I'm a bit of a stingy person. So, <laughs> is that because you're from Bergamo? I think it is, I don't know, but you know, I don't like to they're, say... They're a bit things. like the Scots, for our English listeners, they, yes. they have a reputation. Yes, I think so. I don't like to spend money uh, too easily, say. So, when I used to have breakfast in the morning, uh, whichever place I used to, 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 to happen to be that morning, I really used to have a big break, breakfast. I used to bring a bag with me and I used to fill it with all... <laughs> all the food that I possibly so I didn't have to, to I didn't have to worry about food until the, the, the evening. And sometimes yeah. I still had food <laughs> to, to, to have in the evening from the from the breakfast in the morning. Yeah. Uh, in those days you had a good appetite. I know you eat less now, but you you used to be able to put it away, I remember. Yes. Yeah. And of course in those I don't know actually then, because uh, Ricardo's story is a bit of one of um, cutting things out because I remember when I first met you, you did used to drink, mm-hmm. maybe even the occasional smoke, mm-hmm. and uh, you cycled really fast, and now you've given up alcohol, you've given up cigarettes, you've given up meat, and uh, now you cycle slowly, so mm-hmm. does that mean we're not, you, know, you need to start drinking again to get a bit of speed back in your legs? Mm. No, I think that speed would actually come back. I'm yeah. fairly sure that, uh, yeah. uh, well... I'm even at our ripe old age... Um, possibly not, not as, as fast as uh, uh, I used to. Yeah. Uh, that I think is not going to be achievable, achievable anymore. But I think that speed and, uh, and, and performance would actually come back somehow. Uh, it's just a matter of intention and uh, hard training. Um, hmm. it's not Interesting you say hard training. What, hard training, what yeah. does that mean? 
commitment it means uh, to get up in the morning and spend time on your bike <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, hurt yourself <laughs> that is actually hard training uh, so you mean volume and intensity absolutely uh, volume definitely because of the age with, with age you need more volume definitely well Mm -hmm. That is actually what I learned. It's interesting. Because some people would say the opposite. They would say with okay. age, you perhaps need more intensity because it's your VO two mm. max that's decreasing. Whereas maybe what you've built up over the years could still linger. But I would tend to agree that you can't bypass the volume bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that yeah. is actually what, what, yeah, what I think. I don't know. Mm. And and of course intensity. There's nothing like intensity to 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 in enhance your, your performance really mm. um, so what do you do to look after well let's start with the bicycle first to be to go far on your bike you have to look after your bike and you have to look after your body and you've really looked after your bike because uh, hopefully with this podcast there'll be a photo or two of uh, your Colnago was your team sponsored by Colnago when you so let me think I think it wasn't but I cannot actually remember Possibly there were actually uh, signs on the car. I cannot actually mm. remember. Okay. However, all our bikes were actually Colnago and uh, yeah. all the material and all the frames and everything was actually given by Colnago. Oh, I so, call that sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they're not giving yes, money, that's still... Know, we didn't have anything on our... No logos. No logos or, or anything. But definitely, uh, definitely everything was actually coming from, uh, from Colnago. Uh, and your current Colnago, how long have you had that? Uh, 1998. I bought it just a few months before coming to England because I did not. I was not actually thinking about leaving Italy. It just came like a, 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 a thunder, a, <laughs> a thunderstruck, <laughs> and uh, so I bought that bike. It was. Yeah, I would not actually exaggerate if I was to say that it was the best bike on the market back then. Uh, Colnago, Durace, uh, all the best that you could actually buy back then. And, and 22 uh, years on, it's still going? Still going, and it, it looks like new. But it's not like um, Trigger's Broom in um, Only Fools and Horses, you probably don't know the reference, but uh, he, had a, he was the road sweeper and he had a... A brush and he said yeah I've had this for years he said mind you he said I've had seven new handles and four new brushes but <laughs> you're called Nagel like that obviously the, the frame is the same the frame is the same anything else most of the components are still the same the brakes are definitely the same I think that the rear uh, gear possibly I changed that once but I'm not entirely sure I know that I changed something I cannot actually remember what yeah. But most of the bike is, uh, pedals I changed quite quite yeah. not often, but anyway, uh, I changed it a few times. Um, but it, it is a lovely bike and it still competes with anything, doesn't it, really? In terms of the frame, anyway. Yeah, I guess. I, I haven't tried a new... Okay, so you look after your bike pretty well. How about your mind and your body? Do you, is that something you pay a lot of attention to? Well, let's start with the body. Do you look after your body well, would you say? Um, yes, I do. I think I'm a little bit of a fanatic, in fact. Uh, uh, I've always been. Um, and uh, the older I get, the, I think the more fanatic <laughs> I'm also. Really? Yeah. I think so, I think so. I mentioned earlier about you giving things up. Um, yes, 
Uh, yeah. What have you, anything you have taken up to look after your body? In fact, I know you have. You've done Tai Chi in the past, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, Qigong, Tai Chi. We even tried salsa once, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> no, that, yeah, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, I guess that I, I am, I wouldn't say addicted, but uh, I really love feeling good. I really mm. love the feeling of having a, a, a strong body, a body that, uh, that in which I feel comfortable in, a, a body in which uh, I know that it would actually respond in a certain way when I want to. Uh, well, the, the, going back to, to cycling and to running, the fact that at my age I can actually still go out and do my 60-70 kilometers and not much fuss about that. Yeah. Uh, and running the same. And we should we should mention actually I haven't said that I was going to say that that you did dabble in running quite a bit. Uh, well, I say quite a bit. You, when you trained in Italy, you already used to run in the winter sometimes. Uh, you, mm-hmm. I remember you telling me and you were one of the best in your group mm-hmm. at that. And you even managed a sub seventeen minute park run, which I witnessed myself mm-hmm. uh, at Milton, near Milton Country Park, beating some decent people that day. So, uh, yeah, you're no mean runner, even though you look like the hunchback of Notre Dame when you run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is true, yeah. I think that's from being, uh, being on a bike a bit too much. Yeah, perhaps. I think so. And, and not being uh, too mindful of uh, the way I, I, well, the way I, 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 posi- I position my body when I, when I run and when I walk and, and all that, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not something you've thought about training, really. You haven't, no. you haven't had a run coach, have you? So, no, yeah, no, no. no. Okay, so sorry to interrupt. You were going on about, um, or talking about, no. not going on, talking about um, how you like to feel your body yeah. is in good enough shape for yeah. it to respond in a way you can be confident of yeah. and to feel in yeah. touch with. And yeah. so how does one get a body like that? Or how um, have you done it, first of all? Um... I guess that the first thing is uh, eating properly and I and I believe that I do eat properly. Well, basically I'm on fruit and veg mainly, mainly. And then of course uh, I have cereals in the morning, I have uh, milk, uh, almond milk in the morning. Um, at the moment I'm actually eating twice per day only. I have a big breakfast quite late in the morning and I have a, a dinner at night and that's it, that is actually all I'm having. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to stay as light uh, as possible. Uh, I'm never, I never feel angry, I must say. I never feel like that I really need food. That I do not for, for our listeners, he said hungry, not angry there. Yeah, hungry, thanks, <laughs> yes. I never actually uh, go through the day thinking, oh, I really need food, I'm desperate for food. I think that by now my body is, is kind of accustomed mm. to, to, to what it receives. And, um, and, uh, yeah, and I remember you, even on our long rides, I would probably eat three times what you ate. You go for hours without even a bar sometimes. Yeah. Very occasionally you would bonk towards the end of a ride and yeah. need a gel, but very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah, you would, uh, I don't have breakfast now when I go out cycling. Um, yeah. Last um, Saturday I went out and I did nearly 80 kilometers yeah. uh, on a yogurt. I just had yeah. a yogurt in the morning and that's it. I went out, did my cycle ride, I didn't feel any need for food. Came back home, had breakfast when I, when I, I reached home. 
But if you were racing, presumably you would. That's different. Do, right. That is completely different. Yeah, uh, just you're not really an advocate of a low fat, um, sorry, high carb, high fat, low carb. Get it right. Low carb, high fat, LCHF. You're not an advocate of that. You're more clean eater, aren't yes. you? Yes. And obviously vegetarian, almost vegan now. Yeah. Um, I haven't definitely. I haven't given up cheese. No. So that is the only thing. I don't. I don't do milk, and I do actually uh, have eggs. You do, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But um, sorry, you were telling us it was interesting. You were saying about how you only eat two main meals a day now: big breakfast and when's the other one? Sorry. Um, around five o'clock, I have dinner, mm-hmm. supper. And yeah. what would a typical supper be then, if there is such a thing? Big salad. Yeah. Uh, a massive salad. Whatever I can actually think of putting in a salad, like a cabbage, like salad, like tomatoes, like uh, chickpeas, like uh, uh, fennel, like uh, couscous. Sometimes that is actually the little bit that can actually give some 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 carbs. Um, mm. Yeah, that is about it. But I really eat. I really feel a big um, a big bowl. Bowl. Yeah. 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 And uh, so not you don't eat much pasta or rice now. I haven't eaten pasta for a few months now. Really? Um, yes, I have pizza. I, and, I, and they still let you in the house when you go back to Italy? That is actually different. I have, I have pasta <laughs> when I go back to Italy. I do have pizza uh, nearly every week when mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at uh, Amy's. Uh, so this is uh, your partner, Amy, yeah? yeah. And, and uh, homemade pizza? Homemade pizza, yeah, yeah, I do make it. I do make it. And... Um, but yes, I think it all. I I think I think that I I I came to to I've come to know my body so well that, that is actually what I believe in myself that I come to know my body so well that I know what to give my body I know what my body needs to 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 to, to, to stay healthy. Mm. Um, I know they might actually sound. A little bit no, I think I'm a bit the same, but I think my body perhaps needs different to you. I do definitely need energy, and mm-hmm. perhaps more than you. I think even anything more than a half hour effort, I would struggle. Well, people will say it's because you're not adapted and all the rest of it, but it's not true. I actually feel better with carbohydrate yeah. in me it just makes me feel better but I, I agree about the, the clean living side of things and being in tune I can feel when something's not right mm-hmm. I think that comes with being sport in endurance sport for years and years absolutely doesn't it yeah but also through experimenting through yeah. giving things up because yeah. you've you've tried fasting haven't you you've yeah. tried various things yeah. tell us a bit more about the things you've done and tried because you've given up alcohol yeah that's yeah. many years ago now uh, maybe seven, seven years ago, yeah. um, and even that actually happened so naturally. Like with, every, it might actually, uh, it might actually sound like an imposition that I, 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 I bring upon myself, but it is not. It, everything just happens very naturally. I kind of think that uh, I'm open to explore. And I kind of feel what I need and what I don't need. Uh, giving up alcohol was not difficult at all. It was just so easy. Uh, mm. I just decided that I was not going to have any more alcohol in my life. And uh, that is actually what happened so far. 
uh, I don't miss it. Um, I don't think that. I don't know. Am I am I still having my life a, a glass of wine or, or a couple of glasses of wine? I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not against obviously drinking. I got mm. no reasons not to drink really, apart mm. from the fact that it does not actually quite feel right with my body uh, now. That that mm. is about it really. Uh, so do you feel more attuned to your body now than ever before? Would you say? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And so this you said. The eating was the first thing you mentioned as being the big thing. So after eating, what would you say is the next key to being healthy in mind and body? Sleeping. I sleep a lot. Well, I sleep enough. Uh, Unlike I, me. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I do get up early in the morning, but at the same time, I go to bed early at night. So when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm like... It's like I'm, I'm just, like I'm just unplugging from from the the, the, the main socket. <laughs> I'm, I'm full of energy. That's and, brilliant. And, yeah. and, uh, it, it so, what time do you go to bed normally? Um, quarter past nine, uh, half past nine, okay. and I get up uh, at five o'clock in the morning. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, as I said, I never feel tired. I never feel tired during the day. I never feel tired, or I never. I never feel like that I need to sleep more in the morning. Uh, I feel that I'm just ready. I'm just ready to, <laughs> to, to, to do whatever I'm required to do. Uh, mm. And it feels good. I think that I'm, as I was saying earlier, I think I feel a little bit addicted to this feeling good, to this, I, I feel full of energy. I feel that yeah. I can actually do what I want to do. So the key ingredients, the eating, the sleeping, the exercise. The exercise. And what else? Yes, I do. I do plenty of meditation, mm -hmm. and I've been doing it for for many years now. Uh, possibly now more seriously than uh, than uh, I ever done before. Um, but it does. It it, it it did it did a lot for for, for me really in, in terms of uh, in terms of feeling grounded in this body. In terms of feeling feeling. Uh, in tune, feeling comfortable, feeling confident within this mm. very body. Uh, and would you say that's a similar feeling to achieving in sport that you get? I think um, we were talking earlier about the feeling you might get at the top of a mountain, say the mm. Mortirolo in Italy, and the feeling you might get after a, an hour of meditation. How would you compare the two feelings? Mm, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, yes, I think that uh, um, meditation can actually, what meditation does, uh, or what it did for me, or what it feels that it did for me, is that uh, you, you, you get to, to enjoy whatever, whatever you, 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 you get to to, to deal with during during your your, your day, uh, you get to 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 relate to whatever you are doing in a in a in a calm in a centered way. So you don't need a big high, say. Mm. In sport, well, that was actually my experience. You need that high. You need that dopamine. You need that that um, that moment of. Uh, uh, that moment in which 
you, you, you feel that you have achieved something to give you that boost. With meditation, that boost is kind of always there. You, you feel that, that, that vibration in, in your body all the time. You feel that sense of uh, lightness, that energy always there. Is that something that you've trained yourself to be able to feel or did you get that right from when you started meditating? Mm. I think that it just came. It just came after a few years. Oh, a few years. Yes. Okay. It just came after. So, a few if anyone's years. jumped on the, uh, let's say, mindfulness and meditation bandwagon and they're not getting the good vibrations, they need to stick at it. Yes. Yeah. Well, like with everything in life, like we, well, like with sport, I would actually uh, challenge anyone that has never cycled uh, to go out on on a bike and going home after 50 kilometers and say that it feels well, it would actually feel not well <laughs> because you've never done it, because you're not used to, uh, to yeah. it, because your muscles are, are, are new to it and all these kind of things. So meditation and mindfulness, as well as all other uh, things that we might actually do in life, Mm. requires time, requires commitment, requires understanding, requires uh, requires responsibility. Uh, yeah, and do you think also the, med the meditation can serve as good preparation or reflection even on sport? Would you say it's both or...? Uh, it would actually be a good, um, a, a good complementary um, element that uh, would really help uh, athletes. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure about that. Uh, first of all, because you get to know yourself more. Secondly, because uh, you will learn little by little not to get engaged with the mental agitation. Uh, you will actually mm. be, you, you, little by little you learn to remain grounded in your, in your actual experience, not in sure. the experience. I mean, you want some degree of arousal though to perform at your best though in sport don't you yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah so you don't want to be too calm <laughs> no um no meditation doesn't mean actually to to remain calm all the time uh -huh. absolutely it's not actually what what i, I want for myself i okay. i still i still want to to to, to feel alive i yeah, don't want yeah. to to walk around like a zombie <laughs> like or like someone that is is just I want to feel alive as I always felt alive, yes. alive. But I don't want, I don't want to spend all my time in, in, in the mind, being in the in the agitation of my mind, mm. as, um, really having all my energy going in, into, for example, in sport. Um, easily if you don't feel 100% that your mind would actually start telling stories rather than you uh, you staying in touch with your feelings you staying in touch with what is present there and then things might actually change but if you if you constantly are in your mind and speculating on what you did well and what you didn't do well and all that kind of thing that is all energy that you lost uh, yeah but if you if you just moment to moment to moment to moment you just stay with your experience how you feel in that moment mm. that energy would actually stay with you that would actually that sense of um, groundness, that sense of feeling anchored within your body will actually stay with you. It won't 
it won't actually go, it won't leak out. Yeah, and it removes um, the stresses that you don't want, I suppose, and the worries. And I think exactly. that's worked for you in life in general. I don't think, you, yeah. I think you, I would say you're, it's very hard to find something that would stress you. Would you say that's true now? Yes, yes, I think. And is that something that's grown through the practices that you've done? Yes, yeah. yes. You, I think that you start to discern very clearly uh, certain thoughts from other thoughts. You start to discern what thoughts are kind of healthy and useful and what thoughts are actually... They are there, there are thoughts, but we don't need to, to attend, we don't need to, mm -hmm. to engage with. Okay. And, and of course, you, you kind of step back and little by little you don't get stressed by this. Is this, is this something you would call more mindfulness or meditation, what you're describing now, this recognising a thought and not engaging with it? How, what, how would you define that as being part of? Would, would that be part of mindfulness or meditation or both? Mm -hmm. Uh, it is more mindfulness. Yeah. I would actually call it more being mindful of what yeah. is going on internally. Mm. Uh, obviously, you, you kind of develop this skill, let's call it skill, mm -hmm. uh, by doing meditation as well. But mindfulness is something that you, you bring with you. You, you, you. you kind of connect with this quality of awareness at any, 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 any mm. given time during the day really and you've been doing in various forms you've been doing it for quite a few years now as you say so tell us now about because you actually help others now with this side of things so just tell us a bit about what you do now and where you think you've got what's helped you to get to that point the most mm -hmm. so perhaps start with that and I know you've done various courses you've mm -hmm. um, some in, connected with Buddhism some not mm -hmm. um so what's brought you to the point where you are now and what is it that you actually do now? Yeah, that is actually very interesting and it's... Quite a, difficult, quite a long question probably. Yeah, no, 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 it, it's, it's great actually. Um, I think I started with meditation maybe 12 years ago. Hmm. And, uh, and of course, it was all about exploration. It never been about... Uh, uh, desperation so, because many people go into a meditation and mindfulness because they they, 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 kind of they want to cope with something exactly yes, yeah. for me it was about exploring something being curious about uh, about something and uh, yeah and as you said I did actually a few courses well I ended up going to to India three times mm. to, to take part into into retreats and all these kind of things and uh, and little by little, I think I think that that is actually what happened. That I I gained somehow that confidence that I could actually share what I mm. was uh, little by little experiencing on, on on myself. Really, it was it wasn't about learning a, a, a text um, and then trying to pass it on. Mm. It was it, it is kind of. Um, seeing, experiencing yourself, uh, the effects of uh, meditation and mindfulness and say, wow, this would actually be quite useful for other people to know as well. That would actually be nice to share. That was actually the idea. And, and in fact, I still believe that that is actually what I'm trying to, to convey really, to, mm. to try to, to, yeah, to share with others the benefits that I am experiencing myself. Um, so at the moment, obviously, we're having to do a lot um, online, but 
you've done live sessions yes. of course and uh, of various sorts so what do you, are you actually offering at the moment um, that people could benefit yes. from especially maybe sports people who maybe do get over agitated thinking about competition or mm-hmm. who just want a more grounded as you call it approach yes. to their sport yes so yeah, just briefly talking about athletes uh, just imagine to to come up to a race and uh, feeling just uh, calm and feeling just stress free mm. not not spending two three four days before the race more, with yeah. all that agitation going on that agitation is uh, is um, is a, is a leakage in your uh, energy tank, let's call it. Your energy is just mm-hmm. going to, to go somewhere else. No, it, it, won't re, re stay, it won't stay with you. It's just going into your agitation. And mm-hmm. all that, when you learn how to, to remain centered, when you learn to, how to remain grounded and not going all the time with your mind, obviously that energy is energy that you can use during the race when you need to use it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, Buddha didn't win any cycle races, did he? He was a bit fat for that. Well, he wasn't looking after his diet, was he? What was going on there? I think he walked a lot, though, because uh, <laughs> anyway, he taught. Uh, I think he got enlightened when he was 35 and he died when he was 80, I think. Okay. And, and he, walked, he walked throughout India um, for, uh, I don't know, uh, 45 years. 45 years so yeah it's always depicted being quite chubby but I guess I guess that he was actually quite slender yeah uh, do you think I it's probably just a, a def- representation that's come yeah. to pass yeah yeah, because, yeah yeah definitely walked a lot he walked a lot okay. um, yeah. yeah right well we're getting towards the end now can you tell us how people can maybe get in contact with you and what you're actually offering in terms of uh, courses or anything at the moment or in the near future remembering this is probably going to go out on the 1st of january yes so what i'm offering uh there's a a meditation and mindfulness session online every two weeks uh, completely free or charge anyone can actually join that one um, and uh, people can actually find me on wi- my website, which is uh, zenmindfulnesscambridge.com. Very easy, possibly not easy to remember, but very we'll easy. hopefully put that in some show notes. Yes, and uh, Facebook as well, Zen Mindfulness Cambridge. And uh, in January, I'm going to start uh, two courses uh, towards the 20th, I think, of January. One is for well being. And another one is for inside. The one for well-being, I think, is is ideal for athletes. Really, it is actually looking after our mental mental health. Really, no more, mm. no less. And through those links that you just gave, people can contact you directly. Can if they're not sure and they can ask questions. Hundred percent, of course. Hundred yeah. percent. And uh, yeah, that is basically what what I offer. Really, mm. yeah, that is basically. Uh, and also you, you have a job as well I know you work for an interpreting service yeah. um, and uh, so yeah, you have quite a full life with all that going on um, any last tips for our listeners if they want to improve their lives give them one last Ricardo tip to make their life better say they've got, they're standing there they've got a pair of trainers they've got a bicycle and they've got a yoga mat what are they going to do tonight to make their life better? 
Um, I would actually say a combination of three to find that totality in, in, in you, to, fight, to find that totality in, 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 in yourself, not being scared of, of exploring, not, mm. not, not be scared of expressing whatever you want to express, whatever that is, it does not really matter, but really to, to, to find that confidence and that inner, uh, I don't know, drive, that would actually help you to, to, to express it. Whether that is on a bike, or running, or doing anything, even your own job, your own family, whatever that is, uh, you can always, in, always say during my courses that there is always something with, that we can actually improve Definitely. in whichever area of yeah. our life. Even, even, we are, even we think that we are already the best in, in one particular area, just imagine, but there is always a little bit that we can contribute towards, towards making it even even. Of course, different. yeah, it's a problem. Of course, Cambridge, we're already pretty much the best, but we can still improve, can't we? Hundred <laughs> percent. And it is. I think it is that drive to 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 try really to bring out your very best that can yeah. really motivate. You. I think we can all identify with that. Right, well, thank you ever so much, Ricardo. It's been a pleasure, as always. Usually we have these kind of conversations as we're cycling along. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Ricardo as much as I did and got something valuable out of it too. If you like that, please subscribe to the podcast and that way you won't miss a single episode. I'm hoping there will be a lot of them coming at you frequently. Please then head over to our Facebook page, Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. Lots of places to comment on there. Lots of people liking that. You can suggest guests. You can nominate yourself as a guest or just comment on what you've heard on here. That would be great. We've also got a YouTube channel now, Cambridge Endurance Sport Podcast, where you can see what the guests look like. We're also on Twitter at Cambridge at Cam Endurance and on Instagram, Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. So until next time. Keep enduring.